and welcome to The Trusted Advisor, a channel-focused podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. I'm Jim Roddy, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. This pod and video series is designed specifically for point-of-sale resellers and software developers, and our goal is to educate you on the topics of technology, leadership, management, sales, marketing, and other small business best practices. Really interesting topic today on the podcast, we'll be discussing the cannabis and CBD industry with three special guests. First, Brian Meyer is one of the co-founders of Solvent, a new RSP member that works with financial institutions to provide safe and transparent financial transactions for what are considered high-risk verticals like cannabis and CBD. Prior to joining Solvent, Brian owned a paddleboard company, worked in marketing for the Baltimore Orioles, and for a cannabis software and ERP company. Hey, Brian, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be on today. Super passionate about talking about these verticals, and I know people that are tuning in are going to be interested to hear what we have to say. Great. Thank you. Also joining us is Dave Albert, the founder and president of RSP VAR member Retail Control Systems. RCS is headquartered in New Hampshire, but also operates an office in Fort Collins, Colorado, in part to help the company gain more traction in the cannabis vertical. That office markets their product, Anthea, powered by RCS. Hey, Dave, great to talk with you. Nice talking to you, Jim, and thanks for having me. Excited to be talking about the uh, the fast-moving cannabis industry. Very good, and glad to have you here. And our final special guest, Dwayne Roebuck, a senior channel manager of retail and IoT at distributor Blue Star. Dwayne has worked at Blue Star for seven years and has focused much of his energy lately on the cannabis vertical, including attending MJ BizCon. That's the Marijuana Business and Cannabis Expo Conference in Las Vegas. Dwayne, thanks for your time today. Hey, thank you so much, Jim. Uh, glad to be uh, a part of the panel. Very excited and uh, looking forward to uh, educating our fellow uh, RSPA members on uh, the, the opportunities within this industry. Wonderful. Great. Well, I'm glad all three of you are here. And for those of you, the listeners and viewers new to our podcast, the biggest strength of the RSPA community uh, is the partnerships that can be forged and sometimes where you least expect them. So what we do on many episodes of The Trusted Advisor is show the RSPA community in action by having guests share their unique perspectives and see where the conversation takes us. That's what happens every day among RSPA members, and we thought it'd be interesting to share that with you. All right, let's, let's rock and roll. And you know, before we dive into the details about this vertical, I'm curious, and I'm hoping all of you can answer this, but Brian, first, what do you say to somebody like me who his entire life has not been around cannabis or marijuana. I don't know CBD from THC, right? And my approach my whole life has been when I hear about marijuana and I know it's been illegal, I'm like, I'll never touch a stuff. I have no interest in it. So like, where do you start a conversation with someone in our channel who considers cannabis completely foreign to them? Yeah, great question. You know, the first thing that I usually tell people is to put your personal thoughts aside about cannabis. Um, you know, whether that's positive or negative, it, at the end of the day, this is a true business opportunity. Um, you know, from a federal legalization standpoint, I think we've passed the point of if this is going to be federally legalized at some point, it's now in the conversation of when. Um, you can see in the news from, uh, you know, politicians, regulators, media, industry, you know, we're all talking about it. We're all excited about where the future is heading. Um, you know, just looking from a number standpoint, today there's 22 states that are medically legal, another 11 states plus D.C. that are recreational legal. So, I mean, right there tells you that, you know, the states are 
uh, creating their own rules, laws, and regulations. And it's really at some point, um, federal legalization is going to happen. Um, you know, looking at it from a, a revenue standpoint, you know, last year there was about $12 billion in sales in cannabis. And, you know, we'll talk about a little bit more on, on the podcast, but it's still a mostly cash industry. And it's, it's crazy that amount of money is flowing through uh, legal businesses and financial institutions. Um, and depending on what article you look at, you know, this industry in cannabis is going to be anywhere from a 25 to $30 billion industry by 2023. And that's just cannabis. The other part is the CBD hemp, which has a, a, a greater um, growth rate right now. And that last year it was about $5 billion in sales. That's about a 700% increase from last year. And again, that 2023 number is anywhere from, you know, 22 to $25 billion. So the opportunity is there. We still got a long ways to go. Um, but, you know, for the sake of this podcast, I think it's an appropriate time to have it because it's, it's time for uh, resellers and ISPs to start thinking strategically how they're going to position themselves in these industries moving forward. Yeah, I know yeah. you like from a business standpoint, you want to get into a market that's small and has a lot of growth potential. Like I said, there's just that uh, the taboo, uh, you know, of the cannabis and CBD. Uh, Dwayne, uh, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say one of the things, uh, one of the way I, I typically broach that conversation is imagine if you had the opportunity to be uh, um, to have your business starting when prohibition happened. And you had um, there was a, a period in, in time in this country where alcohol was illegal. Now, imagine if, you know, if, if those of us, you know, that are on this call, if we were around during that age and were able to get in at the start of it to see where our businesses would be now. So I agree with Brian. Um, and that was actually a stat that I'm going to throw out when I talk about the cannabis industry. Um, it encompasses both marijuana and hemp. And you're looking at right around 50, um, 53, 55 billion um, combined by the year 2023, which is only three years away. And then if, if, if for some reason, uh, federal decriminalization happens, it could blow that number out the water, you know, with, within one year. So, you know, like Brian said, there, it's no longer a matter of if, the question is when. It's a very, um, it's a very exciting and dynamic industry where it's like I've been in doing point of sale for 30 years. It's like going back in time when we first introduced point of sale, where when you go to trade shows, uh, the first trade show I went to, it was like this whole rebirth of retail because most of them uh, are not your typical legacy retailer that's been around for a long time. They're all new and dynamic and excited and they're looking for solutions. So it's pretty exciting being at, at trade shows and seeing the change and it's uh it's but it's also for uh for resellers and isvs it's uh it actually makes them become more progressive and offer offer more solutions than just point of sale which i think is is important so it's and, and, and Dave just Dave brought up something that i think is very important because when i when i come across this i, t I tend to encourage um, people to go visit a reputable dispensary because um, right. it will take away any of the preconceived ideas you have of this industry. Um, it, it really doesn't help until you actually can see it, you know, because right or wrong, you know, whether, you know, whatever your feelings are, you have 
some predisposed opinions as far as um, what the industry is. We, we've right. been, it's been pumped into us for the past hundred years that this was something that's bad, we shouldn't have. And so everybody has their preconceived ideas, but once you go in there and you visit them, you know, you go to a MedMen, a LiveWell, you know, Diego Pellicer, um, you go to some of those, a Caliva, um, you go to those and you see not only are those businesses different, but their clientele is different. You know, right. you right. people come in in uh, suits, you know, and then you have some who come in in hoodies, but they all go in, you know, and right. uh, um, out in, in the car and you, in the parking lot, you think you're at a, uh, a high-end auto dealership. I mean, you know, it, it's not what you think, you know, <laughs> you're not going yeah. in there talking to a stoner dude. Hey, Dave, I'm curious. So you said, you know, you've been in the POS industry for 30 years. My guess is you have a lot of longtime employees as well. I'm just assuming that. What did you say to them when you said, we're going to go into this vertical? Because some people, you know, the cannabis vertical, because some people might think like it's saying, we're going to go into prostitution, right? Or drug dealing, <laughs> right? Or something like that, because it does have that taboo. Yes. I mean, maybe I'm, you know, speaking from my own, you know, personal view or the, the people that I've bumped in with, but I'm saying the church crowd, you know, right. that's what they think. What specifically did you it, say to anybody who was skittish on your staff? It was really, it was really challenging because we got approached by a, uh, an accounting firm that actually is putting a, a grow system in a modifying a Great Plains for grow and wanted us to interface to it. And they knew us from the retail space. So uh, we talked to them and decided to, to look at it. And it was really challenging internally because a lot of employees didn't want to touch it. They want to get involved. A lot of developers didn't want to touch it because of that taboo of, of it being illegal. And then uh, the accounting department uh, within our company, we're trying to figure out how do we get paid. So it was this whole challenge internally. So we decided to commit, and this was like six years ago, and did our first uh, our foyer into the whole cannabis space. And, um, and we learned a lot. Uh, we, uh, we were challenged and, uh, we were, uh, we were, um, uncomfortable and we, you know, we looked at legal potential legal issues and how do we get paid in banking and, um, but it's, um, it was, I think we've gone over that and now everyone's really embracing it and really excited about it because it's challenging us as a company, which is what everyone needed. But it was, it was a, um, it's a, it's a scary commitment, especially six years ago. Not so much now, but six years ago, it was uh, yeah. intimidating to get into. I, I bet. And uh, Brian, if you can, you know, before we move on to other questions, can you give like a really quick tutorial for somebody who's listening to this to say, uh, or maybe somebody who's hosting this podcast, uh, the difference between marijuana <laughs> and hemp uh, and CBD, right. like how are those different? How would you explain that to a layperson, Brian? Sure. <clears throat> Again, I am not a, a cannabis educator, so take what I say with a grain of salt. But um, you know, CBD, hemp, uh, tea, or cannabis—they all relatively—they're the same but different. They all essentially come from the same plant. But you know, uh, THC is the psychoactive uh, part, or psychotropic uh, part of the plant, whereas CBD uh, and then really hemp is a non-psychotropic part of the plant. So. Uh, from a legal perspective, anything over 3% THC is considered cannabis. Anything below that is considered uh, CBD hemp. Um, and then it, there's so many different avenues you can take that pertaining to the products, which it seems like every day there's new products coming out to the market. But um, it, 
it is confusing at times because they're so similar and it's even still confusing from a, a, a banking payments and from a regulatory perspective. So, you know, we'll talk a little bit more later on, but I think before anyone enters into these verticals to take a lot of time to understand the products, the industry, the laws, the regulations right. before entering this, these verticals, because at the end of the day, it's about creating trust amongst your customers, your partners, and if you don't understand the industries you're getting into, then you're going to be caught in positions where you might not have answers to something, which might be loss of business opportunities down the future. Got it. Thank you for that. that that's very helpful. And Dave, uh, that segues into my next question that's for you. You mentioned six years ago is when you started to enter this vertical. Uh, can you take some time to walk our audience through, you know, in detail, you gave some, but I'm hoping you can dive deep, how you as a POS reseller entered this space, how you're engaging in the cannabis uh, and CBD vertical today. Walk yeah. us down that path, really curious. Yeah, and then so, Dwayne, I'll ask you later about the uh, the opportunity. Yeah, so we, um, like six years ago, this this accounting firm approached us because they knew us from doing point of sale systems um, in, uh, in different markets, but they approached us to actually build a point of sale backend inventory control system that we could tie into their backend growth system. So we um, decided to uh, that the opportunity exists for us. So we started looking at it and making enhancements. And that's when the state systems are really premature, uh, the regulations and state systems. So we built this integration where it tracks the, uh, they would call it the metric number, the lot number of the plant. So we created this enhancement where it would actually track the minute you actually start processing the plant or the seed, it assigns it a number which is, you know, some people call it the metric number or a lot number that tracks it. So we built this enhancement that it followed the plan all the way through to the sale and it reports it to the same. So we built this whole enhancement and we realized that early on that um, what they really needed is really more the, uh, the backend reporting, uh, the inventory movement. And as they started expanding in other products such as uh, selling um, items such as, uh, the creams and the t-shirts and where our system that's pretty much is built on retail. So um, we, so we started doing enhancements. We started building a reporting specific for the industry and we, we kind of tiptoed, we walked into it. So we're still a little uh, apprehensive as far as really committing wholly into the industry because of all the potential issues with it. So from there, we started making more enhancements and we actually, we created a product and we call it Anthea which actually ties into a back-end point-of-sale system that's been around for years, which is an NCR product. So we kind of built this front-end that actually runs and utilizes all the tools of a real powerful uh, enterprise business system. And we talked to different back-end systems. So we actually made it so we can actually talk to any, uh, any grow system out there. And that was our goal is to make it so it's, it's a powerful point-of-sale system that ties into back-end systems. And it's, uh, we learned pretty uh, well in the last couple of years because of how the, the industry is evolving, that the demands keep increasing as far as what they want a system to do. And so it's been, it, it's, it's moving, it's fast paced. There's always something that they want that's new, cutting edge. So it's, um, it's a lot different than just your typical retailer. And we learned, you know, it's, it's exciting. 
And so now you're, so you've been a VAR and now it sounds like you have developers on staff or a developer, I guess if you can answer that question first, like how yeah. many folks do you have who are diving into this, you know, software integration standpoint of it, if you don't mind me asking. Yeah, yeah. So what we did is we we're fortunate enough where we actually, uh, uh, we have a, a multiple developers that develop for cannabis, but we've, uh, and we worked with a, uh, a larger um, cannabis retailer out there that really becomes our, uh, our, um, test site or a pilot for us. So we work collectively as far as making enhancements. We, we send it to them. We actually put in one, their, one of the stores here in Colorado for testing and we keep evolving the product based on input from a, a live environment. So over the years, this really helped us as far as uh, being on the, uh, on the cutting edge of, of technology, but not on the bleeding edge. So we can actually do some testing prior to um, so it's been a you know, real case and actually working in stores too, where I think it's important where you can actually, we've actually uh, have employees and developers go to the stores and actually experience what they experience and how we can improve it. So I think that's important is making sure that the developers actually understand the industry and where it's going and where they want to go. Uh, because it's, it's amazing where, like Brian said, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really fast changing and the demands and they're, uh, they're not, you know, like I mentioned earlier, they're not legacy retailers. So it's a whole new breed of retailers and how they do stuff, how they interact with the consumers are completely different than what we're used to. So. Got it. Good. No, thanks for those details. And I'll, yeah. I'll just say again, I've stated very clearly, I don't know anything about this vertical outside of what you yeah. guys have just taught me in the last 15 minutes, but I do know from uh, working with leading resellers and ISVs, there's no substitute for a competent person getting closer to situation yeah. so your best practice of having yourself and your team and your developers get closer there's there's just there isn't there is no substitute uh for it whatsoever so so Dwayne, uh, dave just told his story and so somebody might say and that's an aberration like that's one reseller out of you know a hundred thousand can you talk about because you get to see a broader view from your perspective at blue star working with a lot of resellers and isvs what is the opportunity for them and if you can talk resellers first and then isvs what's the opportunity for them in cannabis cbd hemp okay um so what i'll do is i'll start by reiterating um the market you know opportunity that I, uh, brian and i talked about earlier you're looking at an anticipated 55 billion if things just stay the way they are now um by 2023 and um i tend to start differentiating um, cannabis because of some of the things that Brian brought up as, uh, um, you know, marijuana and hemp, because even though, you know, scientifically they're the same, um, they're treated legally completely different. So, um, it, you know, across uh, both of them, you have uh, what I would consider three areas to focus, the grow, the process, and the dispense. And so from a reseller perspective, it really helps to understand where you fit within that. So um, let's take the grow in the process. Um, you're looking at solutions that, can, that are going to involve barcode scanners, um, scales, cameras, um, access control, network infrastructure, labels and media, and RFID. Um, those are probably the big areas. And that goes across grow and process. Once you get into the dispensary side of things, that's where it opens it up for point of sale. You know, we're now seeing kiosk solutions. And then right. you, still, you still have um, cameras, access control, 
network infrastructure, digital signage comes into play because a lot of these guys use a digital menu board because it makes it easier for them to uh, not only update their products, but to control, you know, what's put across a variety of different locations. Um, you still have scales. Uh, labels and media become big because everything in there has to be labeled and has to have a barcode on it. So imagine you walk into a Walgreens and you have to provide a barcode solution across all of it that runs into the state database. And so, you know, what else that I'm beginning to see within uh, the dispensary, which is going to be huge, if, you know, if this takes off, is RFID within the dispensary because, right. you know, they're now looking at ways for loss prevention um, as well as um, having real-time inventory control access. You know, while barcode scanning, you know, provides some level of operational efficiency, RFID can give you real-time inventory access and then you know some of these guys are looking at it because uh, a lot of the product has a shelf life of about 90 days and so as people start moving it you know on the shelf you want to maintain uh, make sure it doesn't go past that expiry date or as it's coming along be able to find the product within the store and then you know maybe have a sale or something like that um, and that's you know across the cannabis when you get in, I'm sorry, across marijuana, when you get into the hemp side of it, it opens up for blockchain solutions because um, organic hemp is considered very valuable. And so, you know, uh, like in traditional retail um, or high-end luxury apparel, you want to be able to ensure the authenticity of the goods. So a lot of these guys, you know, with marijuana, once it goes out to um, the process, it never comes back to the grower. With hemp, that's not the case. A lot of them, they want, they may have the CBD extracted and then want the biomass back because we all know hemp can be used for a variety of different things, which is why I agree with Brian. I think, you know, long term, even though everyone else is talking, you know, marijuana right now, there are so many different use case scenarios for hemp. I see that being the, you know, like the larger winner long term. Got it. No, thank you for that. That was a great answer. And I guess if you can, Dwayne, even just add on, like, I, you know, driving yesterday, my wife and I going down a local road here, there's a convenience store and it says CBD oils for sale. And you're thinking, oh, like anybody can do that. Is that the case? Like anybody can sell that, but it's the, the cannabis that's more regulated. I guess if you can paint that picture as well. So, you know, our reseller and ISV listeners understand. Yeah, I have a lot of uh, elderly family members that have uh, started purchasing CBD from all over the place. I would tell you to do your research uh, right. because even though, you know, people are marketing CBD oil, there's really no way to ensure authenticity and quality of it. And um, so what tends to happen is, you know, if you're purchasing off the web or places like that, there's no guarantee, you know, unless you, you get a reputable place that that's really CBD oil. It could be olive oil, vegetable oil, you know, what have you. Um, you know, in a lot of instances, they found where, you know, there's no CBD oil whatsoever. What I would caution them is to use a bit of common sense. You know, for me, um, I don't tend to go to the grocery store to pick up, you know, milk and cheese. And I mean, not the grocery store, but the convenience store, um, like a gas station. Um, I don't go there to purchase milk and fruits and produce and things like that. 
I mean, they sell it and it could be legit, but I tend to go to a grocery store. I would tell you to do your research, you know, go to a reputable place. It's easier now than ever to get, you know, um, authentic, you know, CBD because CVS, Walgreens, Kroger, you know, a lot of those stores sell it. And, and I don't, you know, mean to knock anyone, you know, that's going to a gas station. If you're going there and it's a quality product, great, but that wouldn't be my first choice. Um, I would look to go somewhere that's licensed um, or at least, you know, somewhere that has uh, more, you know, more of an established reputation okay. in this industry. Thank, yeah. No, thank you for that. And so, Dwayne, I thought you did a great job answering a lot of the, the landscape of where the opportunities for resellers and ISVs. Brian, can you take it specifically from a payments perspective? Because I know when I talk to VARs about the opportunity and are you interested in the cannabis market, they say, boy, I make a lot of money off my payment processing residuals. I don't see that being available in the uh, cannabis market uh, in the vertical. Can you talk about the opportunity as we stand right now in early 2020 and then maybe down the road because it seems like this is in your wheelhouse and Solvent's wheelhouse? Yeah, so this is always a fun topic because, um, you know, CBD is, is more legitimate to be able to allow compliant um, payment processing both in, in brick and mortar and e-commerce, but for cannabis, uh, it's much more in the gray area because the card brands have come out uh, very strongly and said no uh, cannabis transactions can go on the rails. Now, they have because there's all different types of solutions, whether it is a completely illegal solution that is miscategorizing transactions, whether it be a gardening company, a health and beauty company, I, I've seen them all. Um, I've been to many stores myself and have seen my statements and they're like, yeah, that is definitely not a dispensary. So you got your illegal solutions and you have a ton of solutions that play in this gray area. So it's not illegal, but I wouldn't really go as far as say legal. So, I mean, these are like the closed loop systems, both from you know a hardware perspective and also virtual wallet solutions that are out there. Uh, blockchain cryptocurrency, there's um, some solutions. And then there are what I call legitimate solutions, but not the most uh, customer experience proven or adaptable as in a ACH direct transfer virtual wallet solution where essentially the customer uh, or the company has an integration with Clad, for example, which has been in the news recently, uh, where they just tie their bank account to the virtual wallet solution and pay that way. So, um, you know, what I would say to resellers is that, you know, you have to really understand the solutions out there and look really diligently at the businesses that you're speaking with to understand whether they're actually legitimate or not. Um, and I say that because one of the major uh, uh, payment providers in the last couple of years, um, uh, Lynx, is, is, uh, has come out to be proven very fraudulent in that there are millions and millions of dollars in lawsuits and, and businesses are being withheld from their hard-earned money. And so that's just an example of what can go wrong if you choose to go with some of these companies. And the landscape is still not proven yet. Um, again, it, it really is going to come down to the, the laws and the regulations to be able to open up more legitimate solutions. So, what I would say is if you're interested in getting in this vertical, I would say start with the CBD side first because the, it, it, it's a little bit, it's much more transparent uh, from a reseller perspective. 
And what's really cool with what we're doing at Solvent is, you know, we're very tech enabled. And, and so how traditional resellers support their customers, we elevate them to do that through our own technology. And so they're able to support their customers through our platform from a digital automated standpoint. And so, you know, we take away how it used to be done where, you know, paper process, very like kind of like legacy old school, where we're enabling all of our technology that lives in the banks, that lives in the ISOs, that lives in the payback of the world. And so, you know, we're really excited and, and it's actually my job is creating our partner network. And so I'm really excited to uh, go to market with that soon and allow the best of breed resellers, which is one of the reasons why we joined this community yep. to allow them to, to use our technology to do their jobs better. Got it. Thank you for that. Piggybacking on what Brian said, a, a, a lot of uh, the obstacles that he's talked about are things that we've internally um, faced as well, because, you know, we, we do uh, key injection facilities and things like that. So um, we've had resellers in the space looking for um, a viable, uh, you know, solution that can take credit cards and things like that. And we've actually backed off of it because, one, you know, typically once you peel back several layers, you find out it's either offshore banking or, uh, for right. lack of a better word, it's almost like mo money laundering. You know, right. where, um, like Brian said, you know, you set up something as a uh, landscape company, but it's really pushing right. transactions. And these guys in, in this industry, um, they're they're pretty creative. You know, I've gone to dispensaries where you know, what you do is you purchase a gift card and then they take that gift card and transfer the balance of the gift card, you know, to whatever the sale is. But that's, you know, to me, that's not something that I would put out in front of a quality reseller. I think, um, you know, just being fully candid and somebody could tell me if I'm wrong, but I think until this is decriminalized, you're really running a risk because, you know, with, with all of this fishing and things like that, you open yourself up to your money going to some bank somewhere in another country you you don't know about. And the best case scenario is that they leave you alone. The worst case is now they've got your credit card information and can start racking up bills everywhere else. Yeah, and we've had some retailers that have actually had uh, the payment devices utilizing it under some whatever firm, you know, real estate firm or whatever. and and uh, it's just a matter of time before the processors uh, find out and they shut them down. And of course, and they hold on to the funds. So, yeah. And and I know, you know, I know from Dave's perspective of being a cannabis point of sale company, like you know, he probably has his hands like this, praying that you know some of these rules and regulations change. Right. Because from a point of sale perspective, you know, I came from that world as well, and and you know. It used to be a more lucrative just having a solution because you could have a high subscription-based revenue model. But now with heavy competition coming in from all directions, right. you know, the price of the subscription is substantially decreasing. So now what point-of-sale companies are having to do are bolting on value-added uh, you know, tech and services, i.e. Uh, you know, CRM, marketing, um, data, uh, you know, the, the menu integration. And so... You know, from Dave's perspective, like this is really critical to the longevity of his business because at right. some point he's got to add different revenue models off of his core point of sale right. solution. Yeah, I think that's what's that's what's exciting about it because it's 
it's um, it's there's so much technology that they want. Like we've, uh, I was with a customer yesterday, and what they have is they have this you know, a kiosk for queue management. So you walk in the store and they have this standalone kiosk where you go in and you pretty much register, and it tells you as far as how long the wait is. It sends a message to the bud tenders. They have what, 26 registers, and it, it tells them when the register is open. So it literally sends everything. It's all electronic. So it's it's so interactive, and they have a whole waiting area with you know the the, the tables and chairs and refreshments, and so it's it's um, the whole experience is really neat what they've done and what they're doing. Again, it means more technology. Very interesting. I still have a few more questions for you guys, but first let's pause here for a moment to let our listeners and viewers know that an RSPA membership has never been more valuable or affordable. The RSPA recently expanded its VAR and ISV member benefits to include discounts on health insurance, HR services, office supplies, and shipping. Also, RSPA members now have access to a legal advisor, security advisor, sales coach, and a VAR and ISV business advisor. That's all included in your annual RSPA membership, which a reseller starts at just $250 a year. That's 68 cents a day for these high-value services. Without an RSPA membership, you'll either spend thousands of dollars paying an outside consultant who doesn't know the channel, or you'll end up going it alone during these turbulent times in our channel, which we've been talking about so far. A lot of opportunity, a lot of turbulence as well. Accelerate your success by joining the RSPA today. Also, thank you to our sponsors who support the RSPA community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsors are Dwayne's Employer, Blue Star, uh, also Heartland, ScanSource, and Shift for Payments. To receive the benefits of an RSPA membership or RSPA sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. And finally, don't forget to save the date for Retail Now 2020, August 2nd through 5th at the Venetian in Las Vegas. Retail Now is where the industry meets. And that last part of that uh, sponsored spot there leads me to my next question. Um, you know, Dwayne, I know you and I have had this uh, conversation about uh, you know, proposing a cannabis CBD panel uh, at retail now. So that would be one place to learn the market. And so, uh, Dave, if you can answer this first, how did you go about learning this market? What steps did you take that you would recommend other RSPA members learn about if they want to dive more into cannabis CBD? And think of any resources, whether it's trade shows, podcasts, blogs, books, consultants. I'm really curious. Uh, where do they go? Where did you yeah, go? I mean I, the best way to learn it is, is um, of course, there's so much, there's so many you know, podcasts out there now. There's so many blogs out there about cannabis. Is really um, doing the due diligence. It's really going online and really finding out more about the cannabis industry and what it's doing. And if there's, if there's an opportunity, actually, you know, go in a store and patronize a store, or at least go in and walk a store and uh, walk through the store. But I think it's important to actually go in a store to experience what they go through and what it is. Uh, the most valuable part when we first at first couple stores we did i actually ended up working at a store for an afternoon but you learn so much about the industry and what it does and how it reacts and how it, it works with customers um so i think it's probably the biggest thing is actually uh to learn it and to really in it, going into the industry you have to really commit it's uh it's either it's you can't do it as a as a sideline uh, as part of one of your product lines you have to really commit really learn it and really understand their their challenges, understanding the reporting to the state, what has to happen as far as states and so forth. So I think that's key is really, you can go online and look up metric. Um, 
which is the metric system, which is becoming the most common. And just it, it, you can understand exactly what happens in the, in the restriction and regulations that the retailers have to deal with, which is important. And then what you have to do to your system in order to accommodate that. Um, but I think the biggest thing is really um, the, uh, the commitment, uh, the, the fact that the industry is um, it's, it's evolving so quickly that you have to really understand where they are now and actually working in the store is great, but actually where they want to go. Um, so it's pretty exciting. And going to trade show, MJ BizCon, if you can get into MJ BizCon, you learn so much because you know it's grown from the first trade show we went to years ago in Las Vegas, the big MJ BizCon. It was at a hotel you know, off, off the strip and it was small. Uh, and then this year you walk through it and it's just, it's staggering. It's, it's, it's a big industry. But just walking the show, attending a show, you learn so much about where it's going. And also they have a lot of breakout sessions, like educational classes, where you can actually learn about the industry, where it's going, the regulations, uh, legalization, uh, and so forth. So I think that's the key is really, um, if you're going to get into it, you have to really get into it and actually commit to it. Got it. Yeah, you can't do this with you know, with with uh, you know your left hand. I do have to say, Dwayne, before I ask you that question, you know, it's funny. I didn't know what to expect going into this podcast, but I didn't think we'd be talking about the metric system and money laundering. I didn't think <laughs> those two topics would come up, but, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> Dwayne, can you talk about how did you go about, and what do you recommend to resellers and ISVs to learn this market? Okay. Um, first, you know, Dave brought up metric, which is the state reporting tool, but it's not the metric system that we think about. <laughs> it's actually uh, metric spelled Thank M-E-T-R-C. Um, so if you look up the metric system, you're not going to know anything about cannabis. But, it's not um, really measuring grams for drugs or something like that. This just shows how far out and far away I am from this space. So thank you very much for correcting me on that, Dwayne. Yeah, what 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 I would um, what I would say to some of your uh, podcast listeners, and this isn't a cheesy plug for you, but um, I would definitely encourage them to attend RSPA. It's in Las Vegas. Vegas is a great place to uh, learn about the industry because you have dispensaries there that are 24 by 7. The Venetian is on the strip. They'll even come pick you up and right. then drop you back off. Um, and you also have the opportunity to see. Um, I call it like the Disney world of cannabis. Um, you can go into Planet 13, which is the world's largest uh, dispensary. And it, it, it'll give you an idea of um, the things that they're looking at. You know, when we first went into Planet 13, um, the technology and everything is cool, but there was just a dispensary. I went there during MJ Biz and they've now got restaurants in there. Right. And, you know, the thought process is is as soon as um, they allow consumption, you know, across the board, then, you know, they have a pizza restaurant, a coffee place where they can then introduce cannabis infused coffee and cannabis infused pizza. So they're looking, you know, down the road also um, from a from a reseller and ISV perspective, um, there there's tremendous opportunity for the ISVs. I would encourage them uh, where I see a lot of them fail is they try to go at it alone. Um, you right. know, they, they know their software, but they don't necessarily know enterprise grade hardware. And so what ends up happening is consumer grade product gets put in there. And the only way a uh, MSP model works is if you don't have to service it on a regular basis. And so, um, you know, I would say, you know, like Dave and his company, 
Um, they're a very, you know, from everything I've heard and seen, they're a very good MSP partner. And, you know, as a reseller and uh, um, an ISV and even the owner of a dispensary, you want that because um, from an ISV perspective, you want to focus on your software. You don't want to sit there and have to troubleshoot hardware and things like that. Why not leave that to somebody who can take that off your hands? Um, in the cannabis industry, those guys are now getting hit with a lot of people coming at them, wanting their attention. People know that this is a, uh, I like to call it a budding industry, but they know it's an industry of growth. And so everybody's reaching out to them. And I would say to those guys, lean on a, uh, a managed service provider like, you know, Dave and his company, because that way you can focus on what your core business is, which is cannabis. You know, why get into, you know, meeting with different manufacturers, learning about scanners? You don't care about that. You know, um, that's where a trusted value-added reseller can really do well in this space. Um, but that's the key, because if you're competing just based off of price, I can tell you right now, this is a very, a very millennial-driven industry. Right. Those guys can get on Amazon, Google. They can go to places and they can find the hardware cheaper. So, you know, your thing is to sell them the value. The hardest part is just, you know, getting into the industry. And I would tell you, um, there are other shows. Uh, there's one in particular that's going to be at the Paris Hotel in Vegas in uh, April called the Cannabis Conference. So, um, it's put on by GIE Media, who runs Cannabis Dispensary Magazine and Cannabis Business Times. Those guys are, I mean, their show is probably one of the best I've ever been to from an educational standpoint on the breakout sessions and things like that. MJ Biz right. is pretty much the World Series of shows. Right. So, you know, you definitely want to put your uh, best foot forward on that one. Thank you. And so before I ask Brian what resources he would recommend, I just have to note at the 41 minute mark, we had our first marijuana pun. Uh, from Dwayne about the budding <laughs> industry. It was either going to be that or somebody calling this a podcast uh, was another one. Um, you know, we're growing vertical, something like that. So, uh, Brian, uh, can you please pull us out uh, from that? And uh, what resources would you recommend to somebody who's who's new to this industry of our ISD wants to learn more about it? Yes, yeah, so I kind of zeroed in on the uh, site that I use have used to become more educated on these industries. So um, from a product and uh, uh, industry education perspective, uh, Green Flower, it's uh, green-flower.com is a media company. They have uh, podcasts, uh, TV series, it, anything you want to learn about the industry, they're the first resource to go to. Um, I mean, they've, they've raised a bunch of money to really help educate uh, industry, anyone who wants to learn about the industry. So I highly recommend that. Uh, from a, a law and regulation standpoint, uh, there's a website called marijuanamoment.net. Um, the guy, Tom Angel, he's on Twitter as well. Uh, I mean, this guy is addicted to sharing daily news about what's going on, and it's an amazing resource for reseller ISV to understand what the you know any regulation or law news regarding the industry they do it from a federal state and even community standpoint um 
I personally love the investment financial part of the industry. I think it's, it's very exciting and um, you know, there's a lot of money getting thrown around. So uh, new cannabis ventures is a really good source to keep up to date with uh, you know, the funding, what's the funding changes that are happening in the industry. And then where I get most of my news is, is utilizing Google alerts and, and setting up my keywords. So cannabis point of sale, you know, cannabis banking payments, uh, different companies. And so every day I'm, I'm learning something new just from, you know, getting my daily Google alert list and staying on top of what's going on. So those would be my four uh, resources that I use personally to help stay educated. Yep. I would say Great. too, um, you know, MJ biz, they have a, uh, they have their own magazine, MJ um, biz daily, um, right. as well as a daily uh, newscast okay. that goes out where these guys are interviewing dispensary owners, growers, processors, um, you know, depending on the level within your organization, you can get a free subscription and you can get free subscriptions to Cannabis Business Times and Cannabis Dispensary Magazine also. So, I mean, there, you know, to Brian's point, there's a, a ton of information out there. Um, you know, if we've got any uh, resellers that listen to this, I have, you know, collateral that we've developed that I'm, you know, more than willing to share. Um, that's one of the great things about this industry is uh, a lot of people, even though they may compete, they want to see the industry, you know, grow and right. uh, move forward. So a lot of them are more willing to, you know, do more sharing than in other industries that I've uh, worked with. Yep. That's great. And to, to, to put a bow on this question before I get to my, my final two questions, I just say another resource and kind of touch on at the beginning of this uh, podcast is, you know, everybody right now now knows uh, Dave Albert, Brian Meyer, Dwayne Roebuck. Find them on LinkedIn, right? Reach out to them. If you're not an RSP member, hopefully they'll say, no, you've got to join the association. Let's get together uh, at Retail. But there's no, you know, again, there's nothing replaces being able to connect with folks and have these one-on-one discussions and really get your your questions answered. So, you know, all the resources that uh, our guest just mentioned today, strongly encourage our listeners to uh, check into those, but also uh, connect with these individuals and, and see if they can answer your specific questions. So, uh, so them, I want to go, go us, ahead. They can meet us at your show in August. That's right. Yes. Uh, everybody come to retail now. All three uh, of our guests today will be there and potentially yep. part of a panel. And if not, they're either going to be at a booth uh, they'll be walking the uh, the show floor. We'll, we're happy to make that connection for you. That's another thing we do from an RSP perspective. If you want to reach out to these three individuals, uh, you know, individually, if you want to reach out to me, you're an RSP member or your member services manager, we're happy to make that uh, connection. So we've only got a few minutes left. And one thing I want to ask is because this was the least confident question set I ever put together for an interview, <laughs> maybe since I was in high school. And so if I can go around the horn and go Dave, Brian, and Dwayne, um, you know, before I ask my final question, what should, what didn't we talk about that maybe we should have? Uh, what is something big that we missed that our VARs and ISVs listening to this uh, need yeah. to know? So again, Dave first. Yeah, I think I think probably one of the challenges I'd say is is uh, which we experience is is being patient if you're going to get into the industry because it becomes one of these hurry up and wait uh, type scenarios because a lot of these. Uh, dispensaries are waiting for the licenses and the approvals from the city and the state. So they need to, you know, they're waiting for it. So they, they, they're placing the orders, getting everything set up, and we're just waiting for them or waiting for it to actually happen. But when it happens, it happens really quick. So it goes from being a, a, a silent a cr- a crawl to a run 
and it's just being really, uh, you have to really be able to adapt to the fast pace, having to install it, having to implement it really quickly. Uh, and also education is the key too, is I, because of that, it's, it becomes really critical to work out a plan to help educate these, uh, the new retailers, the dispensaries opening up, because they tend to, uh, they tend to think that's probably not as important as getting the store up and running. So it's, um, and again, we're trying to make it so it's really uh, more modern with, uh, with uh, webinars and webcasts where they can actually just download, you know, how-to type scenarios or FAQ type information. So. Great. Thank you, Dave. Dwayne, uh, what uh, did we not cover that we should have? Um, <clears throat> piggybacking off of uh, Dave a little bit there, I think um, the thing, you know, that, that most of them need to focus on is one, where you want to be in this industry. Um, like Dave said, you know, educate yourself on the industry. This is not like other industries where you can just walk in the door and they're going to be willing to talk to you. A lot of uh, the business and referrals are word of mouth. Um, this is a very word of mouth industry. And so, um, you know, from what I've seen, a lot of the guys are definitely on guard. If all you're the only value you can do is sell them something. They want somebody that they can partner with and somebody that, you know, they can bounce um, ideas as far as technology. And these, you know, and this is a very customer service driven industry as well. And so they want solutions that are, you know, one, going to make them more operationally efficient, but two, um, also provide the best service to their customers. I mean, I've literally walked into dispensaries where as soon as you walk in, everybody's like, Hello, hello, hello. You know, um, it's very customer service focused. So I think understanding that and, you know, um, losing the, uh, the bravado of, you know, I've been doing point of sale for 30, 40 years. Right. I know um, that's really not going to fly in this. That's very true. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Uh, Brian, uh, what didn't we cover that we should have? <coughs> We had a couple of points I wanted to touch on that I think are important. One, from an ISV perspective, a lot of these cannabis companies are, are built open source with open APIs. So there's a lot of potential that if you can see that your company has similarities as, as far as the tech integration, that there are a lot of opportunities to do so. I'm sure uh, Dave can speak on that as well. From a, a, a VAR standpoint, um, you know, these companies are, are growing very rapidly, but because they're cannabis focused, even though there are companies that have raised a lot of money, a lot of them are still struggling with that, which means that if they want to keep up with their growth rate, they should utilize a reseller partner network to outsource some of their sales force to allow you know, people like resellers who've been doing you know, low risk payment uh, reselling for decades to come in and, and bring their experience, bring their customer experience support model to this industry and help them grow their companies. And I, I think there's a huge opportunity there that uh, I feel is untapped. So those two, and then from, um, from the, uh, the last point I had is if, if someone is listening or watching this, this webinar and is interested in moving forward in these verticals, I would take a phased approach in that I would test out the, your capabilities in the CBD industry, because I think it, it presents a much larger short-term opportunity to help scale your business. And then while doing that, learn learn from your experiences. And then once the laws and regulations open up or become more standardized for cannabis, 
take what you've built for the CBD and apply it to cannabis because essentially it's it's going to be very similar. And so um, that would be that would be my suggestion. Great. Thank you. And so the, all great information you guys have given a ton of specifics in this. So I'm going to go around the horn one more time. I'm hoping if you can answer in 15 or 30 seconds, same order. If like we have VARs and ISVs listening to this, you don't know exactly who they are, but if you had to tell them one or two first actions to take, what would it be? So Dave, what would those be again in 15 or 30 seconds? Yeah, one say, or two things, where would they start? I'd say education, um, expand your your product suite. You know, in other words, making sure that you have a complete solution for uh, the cannabis retailers, not just your point of sale and hardware. But I mean, it'd be a complete solution, uh, including, you know, BI is a big thing. Business intelligence is really big for them. But actually be able to present a complete solution and then really build a relationship with uh, with the retailers. Got it. Thank you. Uh, Dwayne, what would you be your one or two in, in 15 or 30 seconds? I would tell them um, to, uh, you know, partner with uh, people in the industry that can, to Dave's point, help educate you. Um, you know, if you're a reseller that's going through a distributor, look for distributors that are investing, you know, in this area and look for ones that can provide uh, value, informational content, education, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, like Dave said, pack, pack your patience. It's not something that's going to happen immediately. But if you've got a, a sound and solid long-term strategy, um, there's tremendous opportunity. Right. Thank you. Uh, Brian, you get the last word on this. What one or two actions would you recommend? <laughs> yeah, I think very simply, I uh, would love for the people just to connect with me. Um, you know, LinkedIn is a great way to, to get in touch with me. But you know, putting my company aside, like I am very passionate about these industries and I love talking about them. And, you know, being an RSPA member, I feel like it's my duty because I'm in these verticals and, and feel like I'm pretty educated in them from both uh, uh, industry and, uh, you know, business perspective that, you know, I, it's my duty to help others in the community learn about how to enter the market. Because at the end of the day, uh, it was it was said before, you know, even though some of us might be competitors in nature that, you know, I feel like these verticals is very team oriented and that I've had a lot of success working together with other organizations to, to achieve success because, you know, I would much prefer to win together than win alone because that means winning together, the opportunity is that much bigger. Got it. Thank you. And before we uh, close this out, I'll just say my point is the leading resellers and ISVs who I work with, this will sound really simplistic, but they do something, right? They try, they test, they measure, they don't just wonder or read something and then put it aside and go back to doing their same old, same old. So, I mean, it's 2020, things have been changing, things will be changing. So make sure you're not sitting still, make sure you're not just wondering and hoping, take the initiative and try test measure and see what works for your business. So, well, to our listeners and viewers, we hope you enjoyed our discussion today. If you did, be sure to uh, subscribe to the RSPA YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcast. My personal philosophy is the more stars, the better when it comes to rating uh, our podcast in particular. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the point of sale channel, you can check out the RSPA blog. You can find it at GoRSPA.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, big thanks again to Dave, Dwayne, and Brian for sharing their wisdom with us today. And thanks also to RSPA Marcom Manager Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, 
thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point-of-sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, please visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening and watching, and goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.